Bem-vindo ao Conlangry, o podcast sobre línguas artificiais e as pessoas que as criam. Welcome to Conlangry, the podcast by constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. And with me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. And over in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hi there. All right. And uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you guys. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Indeed. Happy St. Patty's Day. Yes. Are either of you wearing green in the inn for the day? No. Uh, not at the moment. William went to a parade, which I didn't know was happening. Yeah. Was it for for St. Paddy's Day? It was, in fact, for St. Paddy's Day. Rather bafflingly, one of the things that was being sold, in addition to the um, sponge sugar, what do we call that in America? Cotton Cotton candy. candy. Cotton candy. candy. In addition to cotton candy, some people were selling Vuvuzela, which people were stupidly buying for their children. It was very irritating. (laughs) (laughs) Because of how the buildings are set up and the Capitol is right there, there's this wonderful echo to amplify. So was the it around Capitol Square or yes. what? Yes, it goes it went the full circuit of the Capitol Square. Uh, I was in a St. Patrick's Day parade when I was in high school band, and it was in the New York City one. Wow, it was kind of terrible because, like, it wasn't a long parade. It, it, we'd done parades that were like longer at home but in new york city you can't just stop traffic for a parade so we had to like stop at intersections for stoplights <laughs> so <laughs> we spent a lot of time at parade rest anyway <laughs> that's funny uh high school band those Good are memories, memories. Mm-hmm. anyway so today we're going to cover a pretty big topic. Uh, we're talking about um, sort of two related topics uh, today, quantifiers and determiners. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I will say up front, like there are a lot of like theory notions about determiners and what a determiner is. We're not going to go down into the rabbit hole of the theory debates and all that because as people who listen regularly know, we don't, we try to get, uh, to not go too deep into theory. And a lot of it is sort of debates that are going on that are not in any way resolved. So we not, are not going to go anywhere near that deep. But I think we can sort of give, uh, a basic overview and some really good ideas for Conlang. So William, why don't you take away, define what a determiner is and, and, uh, you know, how these things work. Yeah. Um, saying we're talking about quantifiers and determiners is a little bit funny. It's like saying we're talking about oaks and trees. <laughs> um, for some reason in my brain, I often think of quantifiers separately from other kinds of determiners just because they seem to have a slightly different feel to them, but most people consider them the same kind of thing. Right. Um, and the point of determiners is that they clarify the specific reference of a noun or a noun phrase. So the dog versus a dog, you know, mark something as being known to the conversation, um, as do something like that dog or my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, what 
exactly counts as a determiner from language to language can change. In English, possessive pronouns count as determiners because they replace the article, right? You don't say the my dog, you say my dog. Mm. Right. Um, whereas in ancient Greek, possessives are always used in the article. Mm-hmm. Thus, they are merely adjectives or, in some cases, genitives. And there's other other languages that that uh, you can use use possessives with an article. I think Hungarian you can do it. Uh, Mike brought up in pre-show what the you have Italian you can have il mio tesoro right or you know where you have il is the article and then mio is a is a possessive pronoun. Mm-hmm. Um. For English, a good test if something, there are several sort of criteria for determining or tests that you can use to determine if something is a determiner, um, other than an article. And the first mm-hmm. one is, can it replace the article? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes other adjectives, uh, cannot. You can't typically group determiners, but you can group adjectives, right? You can say the big red dog, but you can't say some his book. Mm. Yeah. That's and, true. and this is going to be weird from language to language. You can't typically use them as predicates. You can't say my dog is some. My dog is some. Or my that's, dogs are that's, some, which is yeah, a little bit better. No. You, can't, you can't say that. But it's mm-hmm. careful because in English, you know, if there's just a trace there, like, you know, oh, yes, I'll have some. That's not, you know, there's it's some something. There's like a... Yeah, sure, that's, but that's, that's, not a that's not a predicate. That's not a predicate. Yeah. That's just an object. I'll have some. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You might... You might think that that's a different word, but the, we'll have to... I, I don't know. This is not really a show about... English per se. And, and the usual things that count as determiners are, as you said, articles, mm-hmm. demonstratives in English, possessives can, um, and then quantifiers and numerals. And by quantifiers, I mean things, of course, that refer to quantity, things like um, all, some, a lot of stuff like that. Yes. And uh, so, okay, I just lost myself. <laughs> <laughs> George's brain shut down. So I think the the main thing is, you know, this test of replacing the article that sort of points out that, you know, for each noun phrase, you're only going to be able to have one determiner. Right. Is is the main crux of it. And then the, the and then again, there's 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 other rabbit holes that we're not going to go down because there's it's just. Pointless debating. Um, another reason that, to me, quantifiers seem different is because they can't cluster, right? You can't say, all my dogs. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, that is true. So there are some 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 oddities there. But so, you know, and then that gets into a whole lot of issues. <laughs> so going down the list, the line here. Mm-hmm. So articles, demonstratives, possessives, quantifiers, and numerals are, are the common terms. Uh, you say they often pattern as adjectives morphologically. Yep. Um, like I know from, obviously from Romance languages, the, uh, the articles at least take, um, gender agreement. Right. Although slightly differently from adjectives, but similar patterning. Sure. And demonstratives do as well. That's one example of how they can pattern similar similarly. Um, 
No. You said uh, they don't have to be single morphemes. So we ha- we have quantifiers like tons of, a lot of. Right. So you can have complex quantifiers. Yeah. Or expressions rather than single morphemes. Yes. Mike, did you mm-hmm. have a question? Yes, I actually kind of did. Um, you're talking about in other languages um, showing agreement for determiners. And I know German, a lot of their determiners or the articles especially show for case. Did Greek uh, articles decline? Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that common? Are there any that don't? I mean, I know Russian has case, but I don't, they don't really have uh, definite articles or indefinite articles. Um, as far as possessive pronouns, those do decline. Right. So there are some languages that have a article that is not declined in mm-hmm. terms of other determiners. I don't know if you have a language that has a rich declensional system but does not decline, say, demonstratives. Mm-hmm. I've, I have not encountered that. Possibly some of our listeners will know about a language that does that. I think um, one thing we need to sort of clarify about it, this, and unfortunately I did not do enough research, is sort of where the choices are. So we know mm-hmm. that, so we've already gone over that your possessive pronouns may or may not be determiners, mm-hmm. depending on the syntax of your language. Are there others that you can sort of point out that have uh, that that you can choose between different uh, patterning? Uh, demonstratives, I think. In ancient Greek, for example, demonstratives have to be used with the article. Okay. You don't say this man, you say this the man. Mm. All right. Um, and uh, while I'm picking on ancient Greek because that's most immediately comes to mind, there are other languages that do things like that as well. Okay. So either, either overtly or it's clear that the, the contemporary demonstrative pattern started from demonstrative plus something or started with article plus something and then sort of got squished together historically. Yeah. Hmm. There's, there's some, some interesting theories about English demonstratives, but. <laughs> yeah. But those are the the main ones I can think of. Numerals and quantifiers typically, fall, you know, sometimes count as quantifiers, sometimes count as determiners. Um, so often pattern differently. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, like numerals, you can have along with a determiner in English. You you can yes. say the two cows. Right. Uh, or you can so. say all the cows. It's interesting to note here that the word order is different between numerals and numerical quantifiers. Yes, that's an interesting thing. So, um, but you know, it's that seems like that that looks like it's sort of uh, up in the air because uh, looking here, I would say I would maybe say the tons of cows, but not tons of the cows. The tons of cows. Well, I don't even want to think about when you'd have occasion to say that, but the tons (laughs) of cows does that doesn't sound right to me. Anyway, uh, maybe the fact that uh, I am very strange. You have strange um, speaker intuitions. <laughs> um, for, uh, so, well, anyway, uh, you said they don't have to code for definiteness. Mm-hmm. Wait, Mike, you were going to say before oh, we move on. Sorry, I was, um, before we got too far away from possessives, I was just looking down the, the list. And um, in English, apostrophe S forms, are those considered determiners when you say like Mike's no. books? Okay. No. Because you can't say the Mike's books necessarily, or Mike's the books. So I wasn't sure if that was a test for that or not. Those but you are, could say the books of Mike. True. And that's the yeah, I, I don't think, I, no. Definitely, um, these days, regardless of what they look like morphologically, mm-hmm. there's a tendency to count these as a separate word class, at least in mm-hmm. theory. And apostrophe S is merely morphology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's a, that's a little weird. Um, yeah, the possessed. Yeah, uh, the Wikipedia article mentions about it. Um, they say that where is it? It was uh, basically saying that they prefer the same function, um, but they're kind of looked at more coming from the noun rather than being a determiner of, of, uh, in itself. Right. So more of like a genitive construction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Than a determiner. Um. Right, George, as you're saying, uh, determiners are often thought to code definiteness necessarily as part of their definition, but some people have made an argument there are some languages where that does not apply. My favorite is Squamish, which has <laughs> things that look like um, articles, but do not code definiteness. They code familiarity to the speaker only. <laughs> so it's a special kind of the, but it doesn't mean the the that you expect your speaker to know about. It's merely the one you know about. <laughs> 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 you're still signaling. That's, you're still signaling information to your listener, but it's not the same kind of information. And that's just that's one really theory. strange. I think it is a little strange, and I'm surely um, not everyone agrees with that interpretation. But it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. It just it just seems very strange to have an indication of the speaker knowing about something because it seems. I guess there 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 are situations. Where uh, you might want to make that distinction, but it's a little odd. I mean, we spend so much time in conversation highlighting what's salient to us anyway that this doesn't seem completely crazy to me. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, for, on first blush, yes, that seems awfully strange. But then the more I think about it, the less odd it becomes. Yeah. Although, I mean, I mean it beca- then it becomes interesting to find out how many languages pattern this way apart from Squamish. Yes, um, that aren't in the Pacific Northwest. If if Squamish in fact does do this, if in fact then what other what this. other languages do this? Um, I have a link to a big long dissertation split up into multiple chapters, talking entirely about Squamish determiners, trying to figure out what the hell they are doing. <laughs> um, so if you really want to dig into that, you can read um, those. Some of the chapters are very interesting to the average conlanger, and some of them probably aren't. But you, and, can, you can go and through those and pick them yourself. We should mention like definiteness is not just like it's not just like the that marks definiteness like if if you're going in english the demonstratives sort of imply definiteness uh in a way possessive pronouns do in a way yeah so and it's we talked not, about all of this in the definiteness episode. yeah we we talked about this in the definite definiteness episode so it would be good to 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 point to that but i i just felt like it's a good thing to mention that it's you don't definiteness is does not necessarily imply a definite article you could not even have a definite article and have ways of marking definiteness and have ways have certain certain determiners that are marking definiteness with having a dedicated definite article yeah. so yeah mm. all right mm. Mike, you have a question? Oh, no, I was just going to mention, um, I'm looking through um, some examples on the Determiner wiki, and it shows that Swedish, I get, and I'm probably going to mangle the pronunciation of a book, is book, and when definite, it's book in. So that N suffix is that definiteness. Right, that's, that's a definite article that is suffixed. So, um, yeah, and, and we should say that um, the, all these determiners can have different syntax in different languages. Different morphology. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 there's, there's so many different options that we almost couldn't really 
go over them all. <laughs> right. You know, we we could we could say, you know, you can have agreement, you can have um you can have them before the noun, after the noun, but really I think people who have already been listening to this podcast for a while and people who have already been creating languages probably have some idea about different um different ide- different ways that you can put the determiners. So I don't know if we need necessarily that much uh out there about uh what it is. But this is interesting, William, you mentioned that there are lexical and grammatical similarities between conjunctions and the universal quantifiers, each uh, every each and all. First of all, what the universal quantifiers is that the what what do you mean by that? Um the universal qualif- quantifiers are the ones that refer to the entirety of a class. All okay. dogs like to roll in corpses. <laughs> Each dog of a particular subset rolled in that dead deer. Or every dog in that particular subset rolled in that dead moose. Um, you're talking about the totality of either everything in existence or of the subset under discussion. So those are the universal quantifiers. Um, each, every, and all. And there's so much fun, um, which I didn't have time to dig into. The scope <laughs> of where these apply can be fun. Um, and <laughs> I'm not going to talk about this unless Mike or George know about it. We're not going to talk about it much in this episode. But yeah. if you do a Google on quantifier scope, you'll learn all sorts of things that maybe you didn't want to know. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yes, the similarity or this um, sort of lexical or grammatical relationship between certain conjunctions and the universal quantifiers um, is so notable that it got its own Walls chapter, <laughs> which is 56. So. Yes. And and even English has an example where the word also, which is a conjunction, is demonstrably um, contains the word all. Ah, yeah. So the universal qualifier all with the conjunction so, or more of an adverb so, turns into also. Hmm. Which is uh, sort of a conjunction. Yes. In Chukchi, if you take and and put a nominalizer on it, that turns the, the word into all. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Tabo language, only plus a classifier plus the numeral one is how you say all. Um, in South Asia and East Asia, um, it is very common for a conjunction plus a question word to turn into um, or, or to be related to various kinds of universal quantifiers or universally or, or quantifiers in expressions. So, for example, um, even if the conjunction that means even if plus the word for who could mean everybody. Or another one where the word plus of where, the question word where, plus also means anywhere. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Um, so, and there's mm. longer discussion in the Walls article that I've linked to um, about this. So uh, that's really funky and interesting. It turns the, out that at like a yeah. formal semantics level, it kind of makes sense because you can use set theory to describe both conjunctions and the quantifiers. Um, and conceptually it works out too as well in lots of languages. Um, I'm trying to think, I think in Chinese you can combine any, any of the question words almost with, uh, with also or, uh, this is shemaya or shemado, but do means all. Right. So it's, but it's sort of combining in that in a similar way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and the languages that do 
this last thing of question word plus conjunction giving you some kind of um, quantifier expression um, is most common in languages that also use the question words as indefinites, where the phrase mm-hmm. I see what means I see something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, also a Chinese thing. Also a yep. Chinese thing. Yeah, that's where it clicks for me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a relationship between those patterns, and that's not surprising. Yeah. And and uh, did you already mention you have you have a chart in your... Um, well, th- this is not entirely the same. So we have two of these um, quantifiers, some and any. Mm-hmm. And unless you've sat down and thought about it a long time... Um, it can be really hard for even a linguistically sophisticated English speaker to explain what the hell is the difference between some and any. When do you use some? When do you use any? Yeah, it's really, it's really weird. Right. So in the late 90s, a German fellow by the name of Haspelmatt um, came up with a really wonderful semantic map of, first of all, he charted out all the different meanings that some and any words can have and contexts where they're distinguished, and then produced a semantic map um, such that if any two items have the same pattern, then you expect everything in between them connected by the lines in his map also to use the same form. Um, it can get a little goofy, um, but it's interesting to think about the subtleties in what these words mean. So, for example, mm-hmm. you can have, um, there are what, six, there are nine separate, um, types of these indefinites. There's specific known, specific unknown. Um, that's like, I heard something, but I couldn't tell you what. Um, there's uh, one that's used in irrealis condi- uh, situations, which is really interesting. You might have a special form that's only used in questions. You might have a special form used in conditionals. Um, Latin does that. Um, you might have a special form in indirect negation. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone knows. Right. Or you might, and then you might have yet a different form for direct negation. John didn't see anybody. And I think, um, I think, uh, that's one of the, the uses in English is any is, uh, tied to negation. Right. And, uh, right. In odd ways. It's sometimes called like a negative polarity item or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and then you might have a free choice, um, indefinite, mm-hmm. right? You know, you can punch anyone. Um, yeah. And all of these have a unique strategy in at least one language in the world. Um, and I'm not going to try to describe how the different elements are linked in the semantic map, but uh, if you were to download my Conlanger's Thesaurus and look on page 23, which has map 30, um, has the map and also a link to a paper giving examples of different languages and how they split up the sum any field. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting. I've never thought about it before, and I often just punted in my conlangs and just made them all the same word, <laughs> uh, just because I didn't want to think about it. But now that I have a tool for thinking about it more sensibly, I, I try to do better. Things. I think I may have done that for Aereo. I'm right. not sure. You're just like, I give up. And it's like some any. I'm like, I don't know because because it is it is very. Um, it is sort of a lot of different fine distinctions when you're you're actually trying to puzzle it out. Because, it is difficult because there are multiple you know, functions being served by the same word. Yeah, because yeah, in in English you have any often in questions. It's often one of the free choice. It's 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 I think required for uh, 
to be used uh, for negatives in certain circumstances. Right. right. And then you have some in other places. So it's it and that's not probably not even scratching the surface. You'd have to really drill down and do a lot of tests to really yeah. figure out what exactly it is and i haven't read anything about that so i mean this particular semantic map of indefinites is sort of a classic paper in the field of producing semantic maps for things other than straight up uh, lexical items um so there are lots of references to it online and lots of examples what you can't find online is the original paper which is Mm -hmm. disappointing because you know that would have been nice to see that yeah unfortunately we can't link to it directly but we can link to work based on it yeah right um, one thing that we skipped over in my list is some languages permit determiners with proper names, some do not. Mm, right. And there's little variations here, I think. Um, in Spanish, I know you use determiners with titles, but not with uh, personal names by themselves. You can't say... If, if they are the subject. You can't say El Jorge? If they are the subject, um, what if they're the object? Well, actually, um, that's another thing. I actually recently had a uh, a, a conversation with Tomas, and he uh, it came up that you can actually say El Jorge, but in certain dialects, it, he's from Chile, and in Chile, I think it's acceptable. But like, if you were in say Mexico, that would be pejorative. Oh, neat! Mm. So it takes on some extra. Semantic yeah, yeah, you could think of it maybe as sort of uh, slightly dehumanizing or something. Or okay. okay. I don't know. Whereas it's kind of, in Italian at least, you use it to refer to a specific very important person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, there's lots of options there then so, to um, work out little sort of pragmatic uses for it. Right. When I say Italian, of course, I mean the Italian as used in opera because that's the only example I can think of offhand. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's lots of different Italians. That's true too. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so whatever Italian is used in that terrifying opera about the Borgias, Lucrezia Borgia. <laughs> yes, whatever, whatever version of Italian is used in that. Uh, I do not speak Italian, mm-hmm, and uh, but I think if I, even if I could, I could not understand some of opera because I cannot understand. I cannot get any. Information out of operatic sopranos. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, me. And it's, it's, it's insane. I'm not a fan of opera, and yet I remember that example very well because I was hearing this, you know, caterwauling, and like, oh, look at that interesting grammatical construction she used. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Oh dear. So I don't know. What else do we have really that we can? Uh... I only have on my list a certainty that we have missed interesting things because it is yes. a really big topic. It's a really really big it's, topic. It, it, but I just wanted to prompt thinking yeah. about some of this. Um, stuff. I want to sort of go back. You have this only plus classifier plus numeral one. Numeral one. Yes. Means all. Yes. That's so wonderfully counterintuitive. It really in is, isn't it? <laughs> uh so uh the you can you can you can get some uh rather uh kooky things. I think uh some things uh we may have already covered in definiteness, like like things about demonstratives and definite articles could be related. Yeah. This I mean this is definitely a um 
how should we say? A lot of subparts of this topic we've covered in detail, but I wanted to, to at some point get a sort of a higher level look over these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting things, ways that you can go with this. And, uh, especially if you're doing historical stuff and you want to derive things, I think the, uh, the sort of relationship between, uh, Universal quantifiers and the conjunctions is something that I may actually use in the future. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, which, yeah, I, which I had never... I mean, I know languages that use this, or I know some parts of mm-hmm. languages that use this, but it never stopped to think about it in detail. So it's interesting that it's a more general pattern. Yeah, I, I really do think that um, there's a lot of things that people can research for themselves and look in. And I feel like we're going to get a whole lot of comments on this podcast because so. of of things that we haven't mentioned, you like you could go in. We did a whole episode on numeral classifiers. Those those figure in a little bit here. Um, uh, there's just too many different separate things that I can't really think of clearly at the moment. So yeah. So can sh- shall we well, move on <laughs> to feedback? Well, I had some notes. Okay. Oh, okay. Actually. Well. Uh, well, <laughs> um, I'll try to make them quick because I'm not sure if you want to get towards wrapping up. But um, so I was looking oh, through, no. and um, one of the questions, one of my notes was already mentioned earlier, which is probably why I added this other stuff on there. But um, so the only, what I added on there was the relevance for conlang and what is meaning for the conlanger, which we kind of have just talked about the whole time. But once uh, that you know, you don't have to follow English's English's example, where like you know, in uh, Greek we said there uh, there's a different way of doing it, and in um, Italian, there's different ways of doing it. Um, so just, you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it out there. A lot of times people don't know right. that it can be any other way. And my guess is, especially on the sum anything, mm-hmm. for example, sum versus mm-hmm. any, I, my guess is th- those distinctions are frequently smuggled in by accident from mm-hmm. people's native languages. Yeah, yeah. I think um, this may be a good point. Some of these may be a good point where you should look at other languages and use them as models. Not not completely copy them, but use them sort of to help you along. Right. It's a little bit difficult, um, I found, sometimes really digging into these things. What sort of search string do you use? Say, please tell me how Swahili <laughs> determiners work. Exactly. Or better yet, how do different quantifiers work in Swahili? Sometimes you can find this information. Um, and sometimes you can't like having somebody clearly lay out the, the minefield of whatever their equivalent is for the, uh, some versus any. Mm-hmm. I almost never see that discussed in uh, language learning materials. Oh, and Mike, mm-hmm. can you just point out what you're talking about when you're typing? Yeah. Well, um, I was actually just finishing some examples for after, um, basically don't follow English example, English example. Um, what I put down here, they don't always have to be 100% predictable. So in English, with um, especially with some countries, like we'll say the Philippines or the Netherlands or the Congo, but you don't say the Greece unless you're talking about what's under the oven or the stove. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you can say the Ukraine or you can just say Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, in Spanish, you have El Salvador or La, La Argentina or you have um, El Sudan, La India. I mean, there are loads of them. But it's not – you always use the article here. You don't ever use it there. So it can be – um, maybe there's some interesting ones where it's yeah. there and you have to use it. It's kind of. It seems like. Um, I mean, personal names are more predictable, maybe, but 
like place names, country names, and titles of things are not as predictable. Yeah, especially like geographic places like the Andes or um, yeah, you know the the Mississippi like versus it's just almost, Mississippi. Yeah, it's 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 almost sort of um, it's it's almost sort of like sort of a lexical thing. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes like people can choose one or the other. Like um, I call this podcast Conlangery, or in some places I call it Conlangery Podcast. But I never call it the Conlangery podcast. Then, you know, I created the podcast, so mm-hmm. I get to say whether it gets an article or not. <laughs> you might, but I insist mm-hmm. on an article. You really? say the Conlangery podcast? Yes. yes. It must hmm. be that? Yes. For me. Uh, I, just say, I just say the podcast and I know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, if I say, I'm, you know, I'm going to do the podcast, then they're like, which podcast? Because it's the one okay. that we know about. Right. Well, let's ask ask the listeners, um, uh, what what do you say when you're talking about Con Langery, which, which, what, what variant of the title do you use? That's an, that's an interesting hmm. little can of worms we can open up maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, one quick question. I'm, I've talked about differences in terms of what's required and what isn't, but in terms of just, um, where it's put, are there any examples you guys know of where the determiner follows the noun phrase? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a different episode, right? Where we talked about all the different orders of how noun phrases might be constructed. Yeah. Of, the noun, the determiner, mm-hmm. numerals, genitives, adjectives, all of that. And many, many orders are possible. I can't mm-hmm. remember which episode that was. It was a while ago. So, yeah. yeah, no, determiners can follow. They can come before. They, some horrible mix of the two, you know, might be involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's important, and and this is where we're prob- you probably are just going to have to find uh, different natural languages to use as models, is the you can probably get a lot of variation in the order not of the determiner and the noun but the determiner and other elements in a noun phrase mm. so uh do they occur before adjectives after adjectives um the there's the example of the italian uh, il mio tesoro i don't know uh does that only occur with the article and then the the possessive mm, because I th- I thought that it had where you'd have the article and then the possessive. And I think Portuguese does it too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, because I believe that the Hungarian example that was brought up to me at one point, and forgive me for not knowing this example because I didn't think to look it up, but uh, like supposedly in Hungarian, you can have either or. You can have the, 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 um, the, the possessive on either side of that determiner. So oh, that's there's some there's some internal ordering situations that you can do. Someone can what, correct me in the comments on that. Do you recall mm-hmm. if there was some pragmatic difference between the orders or was it truly infrequent? Uh, no, this was an example given in syntax class, so we didn't really care about that. <laughs> or Everything or that's wrong with syntax class in one sentence. What? <laughs> <laughs> the professor didn't really care about what it meant? No. The pragmatics, what possible use could you have for actually communicating meaning with language? All right. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure it's possible that there's some pragmatic difference between yeah. the two. So. Yeah, and I was the only, the last thing I was going to, I've written down actually physically here, um, is that it's tough because, like you mentioned earlier, determinism is a, it's like an overarching um, category, just like you were saying, trees and oak 
are kind of Oka's example trees. Determiners can be for animacy or definiteness, but then there's some that show for proximity, like like this one versus that one versus Akel, like that one all the way over there. And there are some for all or part and for um, you know partitives. So it's really tough to kind of nail down what these do individually because it is such a diverse class. Right. In some sense, we've fallen prey to theory by even having a, sub- a show on this <laughs> um, yeah, it's, particular it's, topic. Yeah. Um, but I still thought it was an interesting thing and worth yeah, the, just just saying that determiners are a thing that d- exists is a theoretical statement, I think. Um, or or a, it's a statement of theory. Yeah. Because I don't know if all linguists even agree that these are a thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I think it's pretty solid. Insist that they weren't, but it would be interesting to see that. But anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's it seems pretty solid that they are a thing. And in any case, it's a useful concept to have when conlang because there are a lot of options that you have. Um mm-hmm. And a lot of different sort of things that you can do with determiners that can make your language interesting. And it's useful so that you don't copy the same determiners that English has. Yes, by accident. Um, that's, that's one of the main reasons for us to, to know these things, I think, for, for conlanger purposes. Yeah. So in, in that case, I'm, Yes, like William, I'm sure that we are missing a whole lot of things. But uh I can't really think right now much at all. <laughs> so yeah. the I'm power of graduate maybe... school to scour your brain clean. <laughs> uh today has just not been a great day for me, but mm. uh we why don't we move to feedback? Uh we just realized that we have not looked at the iTunes for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. And uh <laughs> and uh apparently there's a couple of reviews, a couple more five star reviews that have popped up, and we promised that we'd uh uh read all of those. So uh I'm going to read this from Allerjack. I don't think we've read this before. Uh so it says the wealth of knowledge between all the hosts, past, present, and all in between, uh is phenomenally rich and helpful. I've been conlanging for 15 years, but I learned something new with each episode. My languages have grown and progressed beyond anything I thought and I could have done, and I owe it all to George and his conlangerettes. (laughs) I hope hope to see this podcast continue for a very long time. Okay, first of all, I'm going to stop right there. Conlangerettes? Where does this come from? Like the Rockettes, right? (laughs) It's or maybe not the Rockettes. Sometimes this was like a '50s bands where you had, you know, like Bob and the Florets or whatever. You know, that'd be the the band leader plus his little troop of something Ets. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Ets. That suffix is feminine for me. No, doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Nope. Okay, because because yes. that was that was 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 making it weird to me because I've had exactly one female co-host. Unfortunately. Regardless, but, uh, we are all subsumed into the conlangerettes. How about <laughs> his burly conlangerettes? Does that make it more masculine? No, no. <laughs> I don't think any of you are burly. Uh, uh, William is quite large, but... And his intimidating, daunting? Yes, what? and now with the beard, I can just, you know, scare people into... <laughs> the beard and a banjo, that's kind of daunting. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, Lord. We'll have, ask, we'll, we'll have to ask David what he feels about that term. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and we had another one. This is really short, so I'm just going to read it on this episode anyway. So it's uh, from SHW Bear. Uh, this podcast is a great resource for conlangers and people who and people with a, a general interest in linguistics alike. The hosts are extremely dedicated, knowledgeable. That's verbatim what I read. Um, Thank you. That's nice. So that's that's great. Uh, that one was actually much more recent. This is that's actually one from 2013. So okay. hmm. I know I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Uh, uh, I encourage anybody to leave us a, a review. I always read the, uh, I promised a long time ago I would read all the five star reviews. So any, any of those that come in. But also we like your feedback on our email, conlanger at gmail.com. And we like those, the, the comments on the site. We don't generally read those on the show, but anybody who visits the site can, uh, pick it up. Um, uh, can, can read it. And, uh, uh, I have had a few thing, issues of not actually having readings for the top of the show. People translate my thing into your conlangs. It's on the contribute page of our site, but, you know, basically it's, you translate the, the, uh, the greeting that I give every time that I start the show, record it. Send it to a, to conlanger.gmail.com as a, an MP3 and we accept, uh, conlangs and natlangs if you are native or near native speaker of the natlang. We, we, we kind of don't want to, uh, uh, well, there's a reason for, for us to, for me to, uh, want that particular requirement, but, uh. You probably want to showcase the natural language, not just, you know. Something. Yeah, that you, it, I, plug the the Google, is, you don't want to plug into Google Translate and come out with gobbledygook. That's right, not that's actually the, an example. The, basically, the reason that I say native or near native speaker is I want it to be a translation that will not piss people off. <laughs> so hmm. I try to find. Um, I I did. I I started writing the Chinese one myself but i got a native speaker to help me with it and a native speaker to read it so hmm. it's just sort of like for your conlang you are the ultimate authority of it for a natural language a native speaker is the ultimate authority for it at least from a linguist point of view so that's the idea behind why i i ask for that but anyway before we just go on rambling about <laughs> such I'm going to ask, William, do you have any final words of wisdom? I do. Ooh. Find Haspelmat's semantic map of indefinites. Meditate upon it. <laughs> All right. And Mike? Yes, I actually do. Um, I have t- a few words of wisdom. Um, a lot of them I actually thought of during the show. Um, don't get caught up on labeling what, you're ha- what you have. Um, this is a tough one just because th- this topic with the determiners um, we talk a lot about a lot of different things are determiners, but don't get hung up on your language saying, oh, is this word a determiner or is this word uh, an article or is this word that? 
that's more for people who are actually analyzing it and want to be able to talk about what they're analyzing. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get hung up on what you're going to call the beast or what you're going to call whatever you're creating in terms of metalinguistic discussion. If, if you have a way of doing it you know, regularly or with some irregularity in there, um, don't get too hung up on finding a very pretty label to stick on it. You can call it Splick to start out with or, or Gwigtap, whatever you want to call it, and just worry about what it is after you see how it flows with language. And it, that'll maybe relieve a little bit of the, oh, my gosh, if this is a determiner, it can't be an infix because then it wouldn't be a determiner or something like that. That's um, – that's- I'm I'm just going to say that's a really good thing. I'm a big proponent of the idea of uh make it now, make examples, then analyze it later. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, with caveats of still be a little bit careful that you're not relaxing when you're doing that, but it it's it can be a good way to go about tunneling. Uh you had more? Yeah, the other one is um I was, you know, not necessarily calling but it's uh when all else fails, take a nap. You know, last week I went with a not very conlangy one, and this one, I can see how it works in this in terms of conlangy. Don't try to do everything at once, but when you're just, when all else fails, take a nap, because naps are awesome, and it'll help you get a fresh start and fresh view on things, and everything's better after a nap. And if it doesn't, then take another nap, and eventually, <laughs> statistics say it should get better. If not, I'm sorry. My condolences. Okay. Maybe I'm going to end this show and take a nap, so okay. I'm going to say happy conlang. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a Conlang or Natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for Conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device.